0: I mentioned last night that there are two directions or two aspects of meditation, calm and insight. And there will be practicing both. And so far, what I have said about insight was labeling the content of your thought label it during the meditation any distracting thought that you can catch in the beginning you catch probably well every sixth one or eighth one or ninth one it doesn't matter as long as you catch something later on one catches the second one and then one day one catches each one and then one day one doesn't have to catch anything so label whatever you can do it during the day outside of meditation there's plenty of time outside of meditation label get to know your thought patterns practically everybody has a pattern That comes again and again. And we can change it. It's only habit. It's all it is. If it needs changing. And there are very few people. Who don't need. At least a bit of change. So. If it's an unwholesome thought. Change it. During the day. The first thing is to label it a very important aspect of insight. The changing, and i like to explain that right now, because it fits in with the contemplation we're going to do. The changing, which the Buddha recommended, is called substituting with the opposite, which is not always easy. you're angry at somebody, to substitute that with loving that person is a fairly difficult process. One has to have practiced that. One can learn anything. One can learn love. But in the beginning, and even for quite a long time, it's difficult. When you're angry, then to change that around and love that person you can say so you can think so but can you feel so so there is an intermediate step which is extremely helpful and I like you to know that and use it all the things I'm mentioning are for practice the intermediate step is to let go of that unwholesome, angry, negative, um, unpleasant thought and think of something which is pleasant, something which you consider beautiful, uplifting, helpful, whatever it may be. If you love flowers, maybe you can think, of a meadow with wildflowers if you love animals maybe you like kittens if you love children maybe you know a very sweet small child anything is better than keeping the unwholesome anger or negative thought going anything that will be helpful to make heart and mind at ease again if you love the Buddha think of the Buddha whatever it is that makes the heart and the mind happy that's an intermediate step and a very important one because it creates peacefulness so that one can meditate better and eventually we can change the intermediate step into the full-blown substitution with the opposite it's um, a great help to have methods now that is part of insight calm you try to stay on the breath or try to stay on the movement of the feet in the walking meditation we have already talked about that and we'll talk about that more but at this point we're going to do contemplation and contemplation is strictly for insight that doesn't mean one can't become calm with the contemplation one can it can actually have a very soothing effect But its actual aim is to go inside and know oneself better. Now, contemplation is different from our usual discursive thinking. Our usual discursive thinking, which we all know and which we practice and have been practicing for decades, usually goes from one subject to the next having exhausted the subject very quickly a next one comes up it goes something like that you hear birds sing and the mind says very pretty i like that i wonder why there aren't any birds where i live (laughs) why do i live where i live why don't i move (laughs) a lot of work to move I've got to clean out my closet
1: <laughs>
0: and then you've got your head in your closet
1: <laughs>
0: and what you actually heard was a bird sing and this is uh, human nature there's, uh, there's no blame attached to that it's just the way it is but we can change that now contemplation obviously doesn't work that way What we try to do in contemplation is to stay with the subject. I will be saying a sentence, i would like you to repeat it after me, and having then repeated it, I will say something about that particular sentence to assist with the contemplation, something that we can use. All of these contemplative sentences are meant for a closer look at oneself a more definite understanding why we think say and do the things we think say and do without this unfortunate habit of blaming the trigger Now, that unfortunate habit, and I mentioned it last night already, is worldwide. Everybody does it. But it's a hopeless undertaking. The triggers are innumerable. And they trigger in us what's there. They can't trigger anything that we haven't got. If we were enlightened they couldn't trigger anger. But since we're not, they can trigger anger. There's just no way around it. So whatever the triggers are, that's is our own personal tendency involved, but the reactions are usually in not only usually but in all of mankind divided into five different topics which we'll discuss at length they're called the Nivaranas in Pali the five hindrances and they're just sort of like overall topics that we have to deal with so when we do contemplation we want to get to know ourselves better and also At the same time, we may be able to realize what the particular triggers are that set us off. Most people get set off by some particular trigger. Some people more, some people less. If we can't find it at all, what sets us off? not to react for a person that isn't enlightened. We can't make the world the way we would like it. It's been tried over and over again. Some nations think they have found the uh, solution only to realize after a few years that wasn't it either. Some private individuals think They have found a solution, only to realize after a few years that wasn't it either. It may have been a partial solution. We may have been able to improve things a little. But it will never be possible for us to change the outside circumstances to the point where there's never going to be another trigger to set us off. Now the trigger set us off in two directions. It's very simple. There are just two directions actually. It's either hate or greed. Which isn't really simple but it's simple to understand. And these are again the overall themes. They don't necessarily mean that we're becoming hateful and obnoxious. And it doesn't mean that we're Absolutely greedy trying to get everything for ourselves. It just means two things. Wanting to have or wanting to get rid of. And these are the two causes for any problem we may have. If we got rid of something that we didn't want, we undoubtedly will very soon find something else that we'd like to get rid of. And if we got something that we wanted, we undoubtedly find something else that we now want. Because that's what we got, and that's already gone. And although it was pleasing, the pleasure has already abated. So we live in that dichotomy or duality. Everybody does. And that duality, that prevents inner peace and because it prevents inner peace it also prevents outer peace it's really as simple as that that doesn't mean that there is a simple solution all it means is that there is a very simple explanation people have written volumes and volumes about war and peace about conflicts about how to avoid them or how to deal with them that's all very well they're partial solutions but the final solution lies in our own heart and that's why we do what we do here to find that final solution in our own heart the uh, solution in our own heart doesn't mean that the world at large will then be able to be peaceful. But what it means, and this is a very important point, and i like to bring it up right now and probably mention it again later. One person that has found inner peace produces peace around her or himself in their immediate or even further surroundings. What we so nicely call the vibes. We all know them. And sometimes they're not so pleasant. And we can't actually make anything happen there to fool anybody. They're there. Whether we say anything or not makes no difference. They are like the air around us that we breathe. The more people find inner peace to any degree, it doesn't have to be total because that does take time and a lot of practice. But even some, some of that goes out into our environment and this is how we can be an environmental engineer without having studied it (laughs) our environment is important and our environment is physical of course and very important physically but our emotional environment is even more important and sometimes our emotional environment is so that we are very much influenced by it it's a it's a fact that science in our new sciences has very well explained there are no observers there are only participants we all participate with each other and so From that, it follows that we really have an enormous responsibility, each individual. People often think, and it's understandable, that they think, oh, what can I do? I'm one person, and uh, I'm so busy anyway, what can I do? Or, I don't want war anyway. I think it's awful to have war. So what? I can't do anything. I can't stop them. This is one way of negativity that we should never entertain. We should remember that we are all in this together no matter who it is. That we are actually breathing and feeling together. It's an optical illusion that there are separate people. Now, obviously, that takes time to actually come down to that fact, but you know very well how you feel when you come together with a person who's angry. It doesn't take long when you feel angry, too. It's almost impossible not to. And how do you feel when you come together with a person who's very positive, loving, joyful? It's almost totally impossible not to fall in with that so we each have that responsibility we can really do something, we are meditating and contemplating for ourselves, obviously and we should do so but the result is not for ourselves, the result is for the world around us and we can only have any kind of productivity or input into the world with whatever we have already managed to arouse within ourselves. This is the other wrong way of thinking. The one way is I can't do anything anyway. I'm just one person. And the other wrong way of thinking is yes, I want to help the world. First, we have to help ourselves. Whatever we are That is the world. And it isn't so much what we say. It's what we are, and it's very much also comes out in what we do. But the first thing is, our thought process and our emoting, our emotional aspect, Now, when we contemplate what we're going to do in a moment, we try to stay on that particular topic and get a better insight into our inner workings. Most people try to think up their lives. Not everybody. There are those that realize that you can't. But most people think their lives. But in actual fact, it's our feelings and our emotions that guide us. The thoughts are usually only the next step. So the first thing, the first contemplation, we're going to do three different ones on different days. The first one we're going to do is going to be about our emotions. And this is the path of purification. Now, the Buddha's teaching is sometimes called that the path of purification it's also called the teaching of cause and effect in a short version it's called the dhamma d-h-a-m-m-a which is easier but the path of purification is the essential aspect the one leg of the two legs that support meditation Now, some people have a more difficult time with that than others. But one can, as a general... um, generality, say that people who manage to come to a meditation course and stay the whole time usually have good enough karma and enough purification already to make it happen. Because... You can see i mean there are 60 people here how many are there in america australia and germany together i figured it out the other day there's uh, uh, 330 340 million about so 60 and 340 million isn't a great number is it but it's something and 60 can have a great influence on many many more So those who do come and start this sort of work on themselves usually have already the most necessary preconditions. So the purification aspect isn't all that difficult. It's work. It's got to be done. But it's not something which is quite beyond our abilities it's something that just has needs patience and steady application which are two qualities which are very nice to develop anyway patience and steady application one needs that in everyday life so we need it here too it's the same thing when we look at the contemplative sentence, we are strictly interested in finding out what's going on within. And as soon as the mind starts making its usual flights into the fantasies or the distractions, we bring it back, just like we do in meditation. We bring it back to the topic so that we can Stay with it. If the mind says, I can't find any of that within me, we haven't looked properly. Look again. If the mind says, I only got it if somebody else starts it, look again. You can't have it as a reaction unless it's in there. And according to the Buddha's teaching, we are all beset with the same difficulties which actually makes it quite nice it's uh, not a personal monopoly on something nasty it's just humankind the way we are but also the Buddha's words are extremely hopeful and uh, I find that very helpful to know that one can let go letting go is the key word on a spiritual path. It couldn't be shorter. Letting go again and again. And you will find, if you try it, and we will talk about it more about letting go, that it brings real peacefulness. Everything we hang on to is either Wanting to have or wanting to get rid of. Letting go. That doesn't mean becoming inactive. Not at all. It just means letting go of result thinking, of wanting to get something. It doesn't have any any, uh, relationship to inactivity. It's just a matter of... Letting heart and mind rest in peace without trying to gain something. this is a very important aspect of meditation. Let heart and mind rest in peace. Don't try to gain anything. And it comes by itself. One just has to do the practice. The same applies to contemplation. Don't try to gain anything. I'm only explaining what it's good for. Just stay with the subject and keep looking. Very often, in contemplation, it's extremely helpful to ask oneself a question. question may be, why is this so within me? And then, the answer we get it's a new question because basically there's only one answer the one answer the bottom line is ego but it's useless to say to oneself oh yes I know bottom line is ego it's alright next question <laughs> it's hopeless we've got to know it we've got to actually experience that answer and once having experienced it letting go becomes easier and easier It's never quite easy, but it does become easier. There's so many things in the world that we might like to have, to know, to be. That's about it, isn't it? Having, knowing, and being. And all of them create anxiety. Am I going to have it? Am I going to know it? Am I going to be it? All we have to do is Practice, do the method, and let go of all that which comes after. Particularly important in meditation. If the meditation is beset with distracting thoughts, say to yourself, let go. Let it go. The world out there, which is actually divided from us by quite thick walls very nice in a monastery they've got thick walls and there's a world outside and we don't care one little bit whether we're in here or not so why should we care what's going on out there and that's all the distracting thoughts that are constantly coming they are all about what am I going to do what are they going to do how am I going to do this how am I going to get this how am I going to have this? Every time it happens, say to yourself, let go. And eventually, if you don't do it mechanical, eventually you'll believe it, and you really let go. The mind is very habit-prone. If it gets told the same thing often enough, it will eventually really do it. It's quite marvelous in that respect. We call it a magician. It can do anything. So in contemplation, the same aspect applies. It's not quite as vividly noticeable as in meditation. But we do the work, but we don't expect to gain. We just do it, and things start opening up. It's like the unfolding of a flower. If you stand next to a flower that's still closed, and you tell that flower, please open up, open up, like to see what's inside. Couldn't do it. Flower can't do that. It has to unfold in its own time. We're just like that. We're just like a flower that unfolds in its own time. We do the work, that is, we water it and we fertilise it, and we give it all the necessary, tender loving care, but it will unfold when it's ready. And that's what we'll do now. What we'll do is, I'll say the sentence and you repeat it after me. And as I said before, I will then say something about the uh, particular subject to help with that contemplation. But if you know something better or more appropriate for yourself than what I'm saying, please use it these are only suggestions one doesn't have to follow them uh, under all circumstances if you have a better way or a more appropriate way of trying to look at yourself just do it that way then in order to start we'll put the attention on the breath for just a few moments Now, please repeat after me. May I be free from enmity. May I be free from enmity. So the first thing to do with that is to have a look at oneself and see whether, sometimes, often, or seldom, enmity arises in the heart. Negativity towards people, rejection, dislike, Worry and fear, they all fall under that heading. See if that happens. And then the next step would be to ascertain whether those emotions bring happiness or unhappiness. If they bring unhappiness, what can I do to change that? If at this particular moment, I don't know how to change it. Have a look. Why does it arise? What's the reason? If you see the reasons. You will also see the remedy. May I be free from hurtfulness May I be free from Again we'll have a look inside ourselves whether we sometimes or often or seldom hurt another living being Now that includes physical but particularly emotional and if we do find that this happens ask why and the answer may be another question find the reasons and then see whether this is wholesome and useful or whether it would better be better if it was changed And it's important also to recognize, how will I change that? The determination to do so is only a first step. The next step is, how do I do that? Can you use any of the things you've heard May I be free from troubles of mind and body? May I be free from troubles of mind and body? Now again, we take a look and see whether we have it. And if there are any troubles with the body, can we let go? Letting go with the mind. letting go with the mind not to be troubled by the body do we have any troubles of the mind what could we let go so that those troubles go do we have enough friendship and love for ourselves to do the best thing for ourselves not indulgence just wisdom and real attention to our own well-being. May I, be able to protect my own happiness? May I be able to protect my own happiness? Now, this is an important question. What is my own happiness? Does it depend upon outer conditions? Depend upon people? And if so, does that produce anxiety and fear of loss? What is my true happiness? Can I actually find it within? Or do I know about it? Can I fathom what it's like? And if I can, what does it mean to protect it? May all beings be free from enmity. May all beings be free
1: from enmity.
0: Having seen within ourselves that enmity is the cause of unhappiness, that we ourselves don't want to harbor it, we wish the same for everyone else. We see our likeness, our togetherness, And we realize that our own peace and joy needs to go together with our love and care for others. If we have found a way to overcome enmity in our hearts, we may be able to share it. In any case, our love and care for others can come out. may all beings be free from hurtfulness may all beings be free from hurtfulness and again having realized that hurtfulness in ourselves is only hurtful to us and creates unhappiness around us we wish the lack of it for all beings and we let our hearts reach out to as many beings as possible wishing for them peacefulness joyfulness independent of outer conditions just as we are trying to find within ourselves Free be free from troubles of mind and body this wish for others needs also to be based on the inside that there are no beings human or otherwise that don't have troubles Dukkha, it's part of existence. And if we do wish ourselves and others that they may not have any Dukkha, any trouble, then we wish them at the same time to tread the path to eliminate all Dukkha. And we wish that out of empathy, out of compassion, with ourselves and others. beings be able to protect their own happiness happiness. first of all that tells us that we must never disrupt another being's happiness whatever they think it may be but also we wish for them Happiness within, independent of outer conditions. Just like we have tried to find in our own selves. In order to start, we'll put the attention on the breath for just a few moments. will think of our most beloved person the one which we can love without any restriction where our heart is quite open and fully giving and we feel that and then transfer that same feeling we have for our most beloved person to ourselves no difference between the most beloved person and ourselves fill ourselves with that same feeling we we'll put our attention on the person that's sitting near us and we give that person the gift of our heart the exactly the same feeling that we have in our heart for our most beloved person we make no difference between one and the other person it's just the love that we would like to extend. And we'll think of our most beloved person once more. And feel quite clearly what's in our heart. Warmth and care. Embracing. Togetherness. Oneness. And now we'll think of our parents. And we let exactly the same feeling reach out to their heart. think of our most beloved person once more and experience the feeling we have for that person and then think of those people that are closest to us that we live with and give the gift of our heart to each of them with the same love that we have for our most beloved person without expecting anything in return think of all our good friends and let our heart full of love reach out to each of them embracing them in the same way we embrace our most beloved person feeling our togetherness, our oneness, our care, giving this gift without expecting any return. we will bring up the feeling for our most beloved person once more. Fill ourselves with it. Have our heart expand with it. And then reach out to the people we meet in our everyday life. Neighbors, people at work, Patients. Salespeople. Anyone we can think of who's part of our daily life. And our heart can reach out to all of them. Embracing them with the same love that we have for our most beloved person. so that we can actually feel that the warmth of our heart increases and expands and we can distribute the love we feel to as many people as we meet We'll think of somebody whom we may be angry at or dislike, reject, or who rejects us. Or, if there is no such person, somebody we're quite indifferent to. And feeling that loving and embracing feeling for our most beloved person we reach out to the difficult person and give the gift of our heart and we feel the release and relief that this brings to us we'll think of our most beloved person once more. We have the feeling for that person uppermost in our heart and then we let it flow out of our heart to the people near and far. like a golden stream that can touch as many people as the strength of our heart permits. First of all, those who are present here. then all the people that are present in the monastery whom we may have seen or just assumed to be there and then we let that golden stream of love flow further and further to wherever we know or assume that people can be found and we can feel our togetherness our oneness embracing of our heart so that the love for our most beloved person becomes the quality of our heart And once more we'll think of our most beloved person and experience the feeling we have for that person. And transfer the feeling to ourselves. Being filled with it, surrounded by it. giving us a sense of protection and security. people everywhere learn to love each other